Apple presents Meet the Musician at the Apple Store. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator from Sway in the Morning, Heather B. It is my pleasure and my honor to introduce the gifted Miss Marsha Ambrosius. Stand up. Y'all can stand up. Y'all can stand up. Give her the proper. <laughs> hi, guys. Hi, hi. How are you? Sit down. <laughs> hi, Marsha. What's happening? Um, I just... I'm excited for you, and I was just Thank telling you. the audience that a couple of weeks ago, you and I had an opportunity to sit yes. down and talk right before this album came out. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to dive right in and have you talk about friends and lovers, because I feel like there's a freak in you that <laughs> I just didn't know about. What? Like, I was listening to these songs and these song titles, 69. Shh. Shoes. It made me wear some good shoes today. Where are my no. um stronger? <laughs> yep. And I started sipping cocktails, and it made me want to <laughs> smoke something, and, and 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 pick up the phone legally. and start calling. Legally. I don't know, an ex, a, a friend, a lover, <laughs> something. What? That's it. Though. What was uh. the inspiration behind this project? Everything you just said was the inspiration behind this project. As corny as it sounds, real life makes for real music so I had some very real experiences with the first album late nights and early mornings and that resulted in me meeting some friends and some lovers and then with that said you know you kind of get to well I approach music like anyone like a, 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 a director would like in movies you get the sequel of Back to the Future then you see Back to the Future 2 and go like oh then he went back in time then he went back you know you want to know what happened like, what happened with your hands? Am I still in that relationship? Do I still want to be there? Did I leave the breakup song? Did we get back together? Like, there were all so many unanswered questions when it comes to, well, my songs aren't really three minutes long, but let's say four minutes long of a song. You want to know what happened. I'm not, I don't want to be so generic in music. I want to give you the entire story. So the through line just has to be the before, after, and future. So with that said, I had the one guy that, you know, I wanted to do it too all the time. Yeah, you heard me. And then the other guy that was the bestie, and I crossed that line selfishly, because when you're comfortable with someone, you know, you get wasted that one night, and you wake up that next morning next to each other like, <laughs> and you can't go back, because now you're not friends anymore, and now you're and then those songs are on this album, whether that's La 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 La, whether that's Cupid, whether that was Oh My God, I Miss You. It's all of these things that make for those lips right there. That's a really <laughs> politically correct answer, but tell me how you got what? to 69. You see, well, that, you didn't ask that question in particular. All right, no, 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 I'm just, now, what was the inspiration behind that? First of all, you figure out who's on top and who's on the bottom. You start. Okay, let's say... He was on top. <laughs> this one time at band camp, I um, decided <laughs> that the person I was into through music, there are so many songs that I've written that have just been suggestive, whether that was say yes. Like I'm saying, look, all you got to do is say yes. Don't deny what you feel. Let me undress you. You know, let's do it. And that was so matter of factual coming from a female perspective. But really, I wrote that song for Ron Isley who didn't take it. So I was just like, okay, 
you want it to just be my song, then it becomes a flowetry song, and then it's a woman taking a stand saying, look, I want to do you. So come my second album, you want to know that I'm doing it. Not just talking about it, you about that. No. <laughs> so if I was really about that, then I figured I'd give you the particular sexual position that we were in. Hence the song title. Okay, so for the people out here now <laughs> that may be in that situation, friends, want to become lovers, do you say cross that line or not? If it happens, it happens. Just know that you really have to be strong within yourself to overcome whatever the consequences of that would be. Like with my situation, we stopped talking, period. Like it was hard to look at each other. It's a very fine line. So once you do it, then you're doing it to the person that you complained to about other people you were doing it to. So it was kind of, you know, one of those situations where I just had to fall back and say, okay, let me write some music. Let me see where my head is really at. Because my pen doesn't lie for nothing. As much as I want to lie to myself, like, I don't, I don't even like him. I love him. <laughs> so in the period of time that you guys stopped talking, was that the inspiration behind, oh, my God, I miss you? Pretty much. Um, oh, my God, I miss you. Um, for me, one of my sincerest moments within music, it kind of all happened simultaneously. It was the, the piano and it was um, the lyrics. But it, um, who already has the album? Okay, so for those who already have the album, when you listen to that song, um, there's like a heart-wrenching, like, real pull that just makes that one tear that wants to fall out of one eye just fly out. Don't allow that to happen because I really wrote it because of a very explicit text that I got on Valentine's Day from a friend of mine. Because I was doing a show, I didn't have a date, and I was getting the Happy Valentine's Day text. Happy Valentine's Day, Marsh. Then I got a pick. And I looked at the pick with text on it that said, Happy Valentine's Day. I kind of tilted it to the side to make sure. Oh my God, I miss you, baby. <laughs> and I threw the phone and I was like, that sounds like an amazing first line to a song. And then I kind of voice noted it. And then before I knew it, I was in the studio writing the song because of, yeah. yeah. Whoa, it's hard to top that. I, I want, especially really holding nice this. Microphone. Yeah. <laughs> About a very, very nice microphone. Ironically, and I'm gonna go back a little bit. Um, <laughs> I want to go back a little bit. Ironically, you mentioned Say Yes, and, and it goes back to your Flowetry days, which no one can deny. Uh, we all loved you in Flowetry. We all Thank loved you. Flowetry. Um, and you. Say Yes, definitely. I didn't even know that song was for Ron Isley, but Good. it was actually one of my favorite songs in general. Wow. And so I did some homework today when I knew that I was going to come sit down and oh, talk Lord, to you. What are you about to do? And I called the video director of that video. Ah. His name is Jeremy oh, Rawl, yep. and I asked him, um, how come you guys were able to capture the mood and the momentum of that song? Because I mm. felt like when I saw the video, I was anticipating, I was waiting for yes, and it felt right. like it kept coming across the screen at every moment. And this is what he said to me. He said, I love working with them, and particularly Marsha. After Marsha told me about her creative process and inspiration, I suggested that she write lyrics in a journal. We made a special journal for her, for her, and we asked her 
to keep the journal after the project. Do you still keep a journal? And is that what your writing process is really like? I do have several journals. That one in particular, um, if anyone follows me on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, I did have a Ustream contest for a fan to win that journal. And they they did. They, they answered a very elaborate question correctly. And I was like, you're, you're deserving of that moment. So I gave that journal with the Say Yes lyrics in it and several sketches of, I think I did some butterflies that appear in the video. and. They have that, but I definitely still have a bunch of... Wow. Is, is it in the same journal or in a journal-like process, you mentioned butterflies, that you wrote butterflies? Yeah, like when I got to America, that, that summer was magical. I get to Philly and I dive into A Touch of Jazz, the studio, and they're just finishing recording Jill Scott's first album, Music yeah. Soul Child's first album. And yeah. I keep mentioning first albums. I'm talking Jill Scott, Long Walk, The Way, like songs that are just so timeless. You can hear them 100 years from now and Absolutely. go, best written ever. Music Soul Child, Just Friends. It was happening. Love, 143. There were so many songs and I was like... I'm not leaving. I want a piece of whatever this is. And we would just spend countless hours in Philadelphia in the studio, writing in journals, little ideas, get on the keys, do a couple of things. And before I knew it, ta-da. I'm one of those people. Years later. Yeah, I'm one of those people that <laughs> believe what you write now actually can come true. And Butterflies and Michael Jackson, I wasn't there. But I, I, I want you to share with me and everyone else what in the world was it like? How did you get Man. the job to write for Michael Jackson? What was it like being in the studio with him? Did he pick his nose? Did he eat chicken? Maybe like, fried. what What was it like? Because I heard Michael Jackson liked fried chicken. That's well, what Chris Tucker told me. That's absolutely true. And uh, funny you mentioned Chris Tucker. We were all here. Actually, we called it Butterflies here in New York. So. Oh, wow. Uh, Rodney Jerkins and Teddy Riley. Teddy Riley had his tour bus studio parked outside what used to be the Hit Factory. I just happened to have the demo for Flowetry's album at the time. So we were shopping for a deal. We didn't have a deal yet. I had all of these songs already written, whether that was Say Yes, whether it was Butterflies, If I Was a Bird. And Michael Jackson's personal manager, John McClain, heard the song and was like, oh yeah, Mike would love this. I'm like, Mike who? Like, you don't know... This yeah, you really, don't call no, him Mike. Like, oh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Until he actually calls you at the studio. So Jazzy Jeff, we had the intercom system at the time. We're in the A room. Gets on the intercom like, I'm, Marsh, come to the office right now. So I'm like, Ugh, what am I on punishment? What happened? Get over there. And he was like, listen to this. So it's a voicemail from Michael Jackson, or so he said on the phone. Hey, I'd love to work with that British girl, the one that did the demo that John has. I think it's called Butterflies. Um, you can reach me at so-and-so. So, so I'm like, Jeff, stop. that is the worst Michael Jackson like impression <laughs> I've heard in my life ever. Because it didn't, it sounded like him, but not, you know, the typical, the stereotypical version of what you think. Like his voice was really thick and sure and precise. And I was just like, oh, Michael? Nah. Nah. And then John McClain called me and said, I have someone on the other line. Can you stay there? You have time to talk. Then I'm talking to Michael Jackson on the phone like, yeah, sure. When are you going in? Oh, March. All right. Yeah, sure. I'll be there. Yeah. March what? 12th? 2001? That's when we're booked. I'll be there, Michael. Michael. <laughs> MJ. <laughs> Giving them all stupid nicknames that, I, yeah. you know. Yeah. And before I know it, I'm in New York 
pressing the button of the elevator with Michael Jackson and friends on it, say my name at the front desk to like, oh, Marsha Ambrosius? And they're like, oh yeah, you're cool. No ID, no nothing. Like, my name is on the list. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm in. Fuck your couch. Sorry. So then I get up there and it's Michael Jackson at a grand piano behind this glass wall and he's warming up his vocals. So I'm just watching this guy that I know, I know it's him, but it's like trying to, I guess when kids are looking at TV, like my niece right now is two years old. So when I FaceTime her or anything like that, she'll try and look behind the phone like I'm going to be behind the phone. Yeah. That was me with Michael Jackson in front of me. Like, he's behind ATV. There's no way that that is really him. So when he throws up the deuces, it's the first thing he did to me. So I'm like... <laughs> trying to mirror his, like, his peace sign was better than mine. I'm trying to do the same thing. And then, then I realized what I was in there for. I hadn't done a Flow Tree album yet. As far as the public knew, I right. was... Absolutely nobody. Like, our album didn't come out for a year yeah, after his after. one. So right. it was, here's me, Marsha Ambrose from Liverpool, about to tell the king of pup, period, the that there will everything. ever be on this earth while we're here, what to do. Shit. At what point <laughs> did you just cry? I mean... Every day. Every day. every day, I'm sitting next to Andre Harris, Bruce Swedian, who had been his engineer from everything. If you check credits, it's off the wall, it's thriller, it's everything. It's dangerous, it's bad. I'm sitting there with these people telling that guy what to do. Like, no, Michael, get your timing right. Okay. And I'm like, why am, I, why am I telling him what to do? So every time I went home, home, went to a, what, the Hudson Hotel, Hotel. in... Uh, New York, I'm like, I'm telling him what to do. Then my hotel phone rang. I think we were there. We were in the studio for two weeks. And every day we would get soul food from Jezebel's. Wow. Jezebel's was on, was it on 9th? 44th and 9th So yeah, we would get, it was strawberry shortcake for dessert, no doubt. That was a staple. Michael Jackson ate strawberry shortcake? Listen, smothered turkey chops, colored greens, mac and cheese, and then I would sometimes encourage the green beans instead of colored greens. And that was it every day, though. It wow. was soul food every day. Yeah, every day. I don't remember nothing. That's else. incredible. Paris and Prince were this big, running around the studio. And he would be like, say goodbye to Auntie Marshy before she goes. And I'm like... That's an incredible story. Thank you for sharing that um, with us. What's interesting about it as well is that I recently got a video from a young girl, a young girl named Gabby Wilson. She yes. posted a video up of her singing during Grammy weekend at Tyrese's house. She was singing Butterflies. Oh, I was doing the backgrounds for her. And apparently, <laughs> that's what she wrote, that yep. you were singing the backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Marsha, when you sit down to write a song, do you think about little girls? Do you think about grown women? What do you think about? I think that someone... Whatever experience it took me to write that song in the moment is going to help someone else get over whatever that moment was. I'm not even get over, just bask in it, embrace the soundtrack of your life. Like my soundtrack is nuts from Indiana Jones' Temple of Doom soundtrack to the Family Guy theme song. 
and everything else in between. So I'll listen to these things to make me feel alive. So if I'm writing Butterflies and then come 17 years later from me actually writing it, there's a young girl sitting at the keys saying, look, all you gotta do is not answer my calls when I'm trying to get through to keep me wondering why. All I can do is Stop sigh. teasing us with this song. I just wanna touch you. Mm. Wow. I'm happy for you, Marsha. Thank and I, you. And I don't know what you're looking for in this project with friends and lovers, but it seems like <laughs> you're on a search for something. Before I go to the audience, you want to share a little bit about what mm. you are ultimately. You have success. You work with the king of everything. You inspire little girls. You've been all around the world. You've been in the White House. You got the awards. You got the nods. You have. When you, you put it like that, it just sounds like I've done everything already. Yeah, so what are you looking for still? I, I never search for those things to begin with. I've just been kind of working. They're the things that just happened to happen while I was working. So I'm just going to continue to work. I don't know where it's taking me, but I'm sitting here talking about it. It's weird. It's still very weird for me. I love it. We're going <laughs> to open it up to the audience. Um, any questions? Hi, how's it going, Marsha? Wonderfully. <laughs> I follow you on Twitter, and I saw that you posted something where you said, uh, everybody, please repost, uh, retweet, or say something for Mary J to contact, get back to you, or answer your phone call. Oh, oh yeah, she did. Mary yeah. J. Blige? Absolutely. What happened? You were I looking for her? I couldn't find her number, and sometimes, t I, I find out things about me on Twitter. Like, I'm going to be where? Oh, for real? Okay, cool. So, so I figured someone would say, oh, Mary, so-and-so's looking for you. So are you and Mary going to be working together? We've been working together. You'll see future things that happen. Yes. So, yeah. All right, I'm She's excited. my hero. Congrats. So, yeah, thank you, Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else? Uh, thank you. Nice um, seeing you again, Marsha. Good seeing you. Um, yeah, and Heather B., I know you were with uh, Boogie Down at one point. Wow, you are pulling my file? I mean, <laughs> since we're at it. Like, yeah, your name sounded really familiar. Really yeah, nice. I started out, I started my music career with KRS One and Boogie Down Productions. He was my mentor. Yep. Y'all don't know that? So I know this is more so for you, but yeah, hi. No, um, no. <laughs> no go. <laughs> um, who have you not worked with yet? You know, you worked with uh, the rapper Currency and worked with Game Buster Rhymes and whoever, but who have you not worked with yet who you would like to work it's with? too many to list. Like, it's it's weird. I'll get phone calls from whether that's Dr. Dre, The Game, through to Yo Gotti, to Currency, Nipsey Hussle. Like, I'm hip-hop first. Like, not really many people know this, but I was actually a rapper before I was a singer. Like, I used to play ball, like, yo, 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 yo. See, immediately, I always go into rap mode, like, someone starts beat, and then you just know that I was going to do a freestyle that I wrote yesterday. You just know this. No, my name was Miss Parker, and finding, because Parker Pens, exactly. But it was Parker Pens, I just wanted to make a note that I'm a female out here, and I was writing my own sh Yeah. So I wanted to make a statement. For me, I just found my voice when the New Jack Swing era through and through to Uptown when Diddy had MCA and it was Jodeci, Father MC, Heavy D and the Boys, Christopher Williams, Horace Brown, and I saw that Uptown unplugged and Mary and Casey, if loving you is all that I gotta do. I was like, I don't wanna do anything else either. I wanna make music for the rest of my life because of that 
era that made me want to practice harmonies. I'm the fifth member of Jodeci. No one can tell me different. So yeah, I just keep writing. I don't know who I'm gonna write for. It could be anyone. I didn't, I didn't know daily prior to us going in the studio and doing Alone Together. And we're both from the UK, but I was like, hey, who is this kid? Oh, your falsetto is, mm, all right, we can work with this. I can write with this. And we did, and it just happened to be that. <laughs> How you doing? Apple. What up? I just wanted to say I, I loved your voice since uh, Getting Live. Uh, no, Getting Late. It's Getting Late Live version. I wow. loved your voice since then. Philoicism. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you for singing Getting Late Live in New Orleans. No. <laughs> so I wanted to know, you sung the hook for Fab. Uh, Stay. What was it? Stay. Yeah. Did you cry during that moment? Like You hit like you know this what? one note. It was just like the emotion when your voice was really intense. Prior to doing his verses, I'd already gone into the studio with the producer Science, and I remember hearing the track, and all I could hear was that please don't go, and it was really a, a wide, generic way of putting things, but when Fab put his voice on it, and he gave his approach as to what he was speaking about, and I heard him say all the things about his dad, like real, real life things, then I cried when I heard that overall version, and I was just thankful just as, who he is as a rapper, like Fab still feels like young Fab to me forever, but he's been in the game for forever with hits on hits that you forget, you're like, Fab? And has been on everyone's remix and killed everyone on there. And for him to really open up and do something sincere and ask me to be on the hook to be a part of that was really special, so. I'll follow you on Instagram. I love your sneaker game. It's crazy. Thank you. I did have my ones on before. They know this. They're in the back. But I, gotta yeah. <laughs> I do have a question. I'm going to see you at Madison Square Garden okay. with John Legend. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen you at the Blue Note. Which one do you prefer? Do you like performing at larger events or intimate setting, like at the Blue Note mm. and New Jersey Impact? There's nothing more personable than doing something like this, like dead on, but... Sometimes there's nothing better than hearing your voice come back to you three seconds later because it's that big and that many people are listening to what you say. So it really, I'm where the crowd is at. If there's people and a microphone, <laughs> I'm going to be there. Third row. Oh, hi. I, hi, Marsha. Hi. Um, what was it like to work with Neil? We were supposed to work together during... Flowetry's last album was Superstar on it because we cut it with St Scott Storch in Miami and that's when Neo was doing his first album. So we come across each other then and I was like, yo, we need to go in, we need to go in. And then we would do tours together, shows together and we never got together until that song Without You came about. Okay. So um, she's like, please. Hi, Marsh. I love you. Thank you, love. I wanted to know what inspired you to write Sky? Oh, why would you ask me Because that reminds that? me of my mom. It's like um, you wrote it for me. Then there it is. It I wrote really it for you and your mom. <laughs> but no, no, seriously. I'm serious. It was um, a really tough time. I got a call from a friend of mine. I just left Philly. I got to L.A. and I was working for a while. And I found out that little Snoop got killed, which was Meek Mill's um, artist. And I, I was like, I just seen him the other day. Like I was in the studio with them the other day and I'm just thinking, kids, this kid's killing kids thing will never sit with me. And I just, I lost it. And I remember sitting at the piano and that song just happened. I was like, 
I'm going to the studio. And I cut it. I didn't care about a release date, a placement, nothing. I was like, I'm going to put this on YouTube with footage that I took from a plane that I was on going from Philly to L.A. Right before, I mean, from L.A. to Philly when I was going back to get my condolences. So that was it. Appreciate it. <laughs>